Hey there, and welcome to the Kingdom Dynamics podcast, where I will equip you to see the kingdom of God, to bear fruit as you understand the word of the kingdom government of Jesus Christ that he preached. I will help you to weed out of your heart, out of your mind, the weeds of the Pharisees' teaching, the weeds of religious and political teaching, the worries and the cares of this world so that you can bear fruit. You and I are going to live forever in heaven, which is going to be on the earth. I can't wait to see you on the other side. Hey, church, welcome back to the Kingdom Dynamics podcast. I'm Jonathan, and I'm here to explain the kingdom to you. Sunday Adelaja, who grew a church from himself to a million members in the Ukraine. It's well documented in the media as part of the Orange Revolution. He said that the gospel of the kingdom was unknown in Australia in Hillsong, in Christian city churches. He said they had no idea what the kingdom was. And the late Chuck Missler, an incredible theologian and scientist and doctor, said that the gospel of the kingdom is is unknown in the church and, and rarely, if ever, spoken about. Now, this would make sense to, to you and me if we have had our eyes and ears open. Because Jesus Christ said you cannot enter the kingdom unless you are born again. He said, if you do not understand this message of the kingdom, how will you understand any other message? In other words, the kingdom message must be understood, not just heard, but understood. And there's a really big difference, you know, from understanding compared to, I mean, I can, I can watch a movie or or look at somebody roller skating or rollerblading or ice skating, but do I really understand? Understanding is by experience. Understanding is by application. And there's a big difference between seeing, hearing, and understanding. And so what I would say to shock you into the kingdom is that the kingdom of heaven is like a man who stands before a king and surprisingly finds that he's not killed. If you can stand before the king and not be murdered, then you'd better ask him for the nations. And that's actually what Jesus said. He said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Most people forget the second part. They don't realize that You can't get the benefits of the kingdom. In fact, you can't survive in the kingdom. You can't exist in the kingdom without the second part. You can seek the kingdom all you want, but if you don't seek first his righteousness, you're never going to enter and you're never going to have any of the benefits. If you read Matthew 6.33 for yourself, and if you are a Christian, you'd better read the words of the king, the king of the kingdom then you'll see that Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Whose righteousness? Obviously the king. So what is the king's righteousness? How do you seek the king's righteousness? I'll tell you how. You have favor with the king. Righteousness is defined as the ability 
to stand before the king. In other words, like Joshua, who was brought before the priest in Zechariah chapter 3, he was covered in filthy garments. The devil had brought Joshua there to accuse him before God. And Jesus, the theophany in that chapter, said, Take away his filthy garments. Give him a clean robe. Give him a ring for his finger. Give him a turban for his head. And he said, look, see, Joshua, I've given you, I've taken away your sins. And that is a a story about the prodigal son, which is probably wrongly named because every parable is only about the kingdom. Every parable is exclusively on the subject of the kingdom. But you and I are like that Joshua who had his robes filthy. We were born into sin. We were born into darkness. And the proper response of a holy king would be to kill us. If we were to go before the king without a gift, a gift makes way for you. If you were to go before a king without a gift, if you were to go before a king as a rebel, as an enemy, as an as an as a sinner, he should and would absolutely kill you. In fact, the Bible says that if you s- see God, you will surely die. So, Proverbs actually says that we we who stand before a king are gonna die if we have any sin in our lives. And I'm just going to read it to you right here. The wrath of a king's messenger is death, but the wise will appease it. That's Proverbs chapter 16, verse 14. Jesus Christ himself said, fear the one who can throw both your soul and your body into hell. So what I'm saying to you is if you are in the kingdom of God, you can stand before Jesus and not die. That is the message of the gospel. That is the kingdom of God. Now, technically, the reason we don't die is because the very gift that we present is the Son of God. The very gift that we present is the righteousness of Christ Jesus. We approach the throne of grace with confidence Not because we're wise, not because we've done anything in our own strength, but simply because of what God has done. And the Bible says that what the law was powerless to do, God did. God did. God did by sending his son. So if you look at the Solomon Islands, if you look at the Bahamas, if you look at Australia, If you look at Canada, the British Empire, the king and the queen of the British Empire, they did it. They they built the roads. They paid with their own money to colonize those lands. They taught the Indians to speak English. They built the roads. They built the railways. What we... What the law was powerless to to do, God did by sending his son. So it is our ability to stand before God. And let me tell you the good news of the kingdom. It is the removal of pain. Listen, everything 
on earth is to do with the removal of pain. For, for example, the reason we love to go to McDonald's, especially when you have young children, is because it's convenient. The pain of going to McDonald's is very low. You might have pain after you've eaten too much McDonald's or you might have pain from, from disease, from eating it every day. But if you are going to cook a meal, you have to go home. In fact, before you go home, you have to go shopping. You have to grab the groceries. You have to cut it all up. You have to cook it. You have to wait an hour or two or three if it's a roast. Then you have to wash up all the dishes. There's a, there's a lot of pain. But if you go drive through McDonald's, you sit in your car. Your food is ready by the time you get to the second window. And there's no mess. There's no cutlery. There's no dishes. All the rubbish goes in the bin. And your children are happy. And it costs you $4. You know, it cost me $30 to $40 to buy a leg of lamb. And two or three hours of cooking, cleaning. And then the kids don't eat it. So to go to McDonald's and get everything done, including the cleaning, in four minutes for $4, that is why they're successful. Now, why do I want to buy a Mercedes? It's for the removal of pain. Because I'm sitting in the car and it's air-conditioned and it doesn't break down. And there's like 17 airbags. So I feel safe. My children are safe. They've got airbags in the back seats. They've got airbags in the windows. If I get broken down, you know, there's a GPS satellite connects me to Mercedes, they'll send a car. There's so much pain that's averted. But if I was in a $400 car, there's a lot of pain. The windows don't work. You know, sometimes they go down, they don't go back up again. It's cold in summer. You know, it's hot in summer, cold in winter. It costs me a lot of money to fix. The greatest pain is death. That is the biggest problem. Now, if you can solve death, then you will be bigger than McDonald's, bigger than Google, bigger than Tesla. You've won the jackpot. But I'm telling you the truth. Jesus Christ came to remove pain. And he did it, he did it better than anybody else. He clothed the naked removing their pain. He accepted the unlovable, removing the pain of shame. He took our sins on his body, removing the pain of sickness and of death. And the greatest pain is abandonment. It's the greatest pain. I said to my son, if he was caught in an animal trap, you know, like the trap of claw, the claws that they trap bears with in the wild, if my son put his foot in a claw and I saw him screaming with his leg broken and bloodied, if I was to walk away and say, oh, mate, sorry, I'm busy, you've got to go, that pain of abandonment, that pain of rejection would be greater than the pain of his broken leg. And that is what God did to Jesus Christ. The Father abandoned him. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Lord, why have you forsaken me? On that cross, Jesus took all pain. The pain of sickness. The pain of separation. 
the pain of death, the pain of social rejection. He was spat on. His beard was pulled out. He was ridiculed. Some people say that the gall wine was what the Romans used to clean their butt after they did a poo. That Jesus' last drink as he gave up his breath was from a bidet, from a sponge that was used to wipe the butt of soldiers. He took our pain. He took the greatest pain, which was being blacklisted by the Father God. He went to hell alone, without the Holy Spirit, without the Father. He only had his own you know, soul with him, his own body and mind and will and emotions. And he was in the bowels of the earth, quoting scriptures, saying, God, you know, you will never leave me. You will never forsake me. You will not let your beloved see death or decay. He was quoting the Bible because he had faith in the word of God. And you and I need to be exactly the same. But I'm telling you, Jesus took away all pain when he fed people in the desert with loaves, five loaves and two fish, when he rose people from the dead, when he healed the sick, when he cast out demons, he was only removing pain. How do you remove pain? The only way to remove pain is with power. The kingdom is power. Paul said that. It is not meat and drink, but it is power. It is the power of God. He said, I didn't come with wise sounding words, but with demonstration of the Spirit's power. But it's not what you think. You see, Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none. They didn't have what the world expected them to have. Jesus didn't have the revolution that his disciples expected him to have. No one was waiting for him at the tomb. They were surprised when he rose from the dead. They shouldn't have been. They were surprised when Peter was knocking on the door. They shouldn't have been. The church was surprised when Paul was in prison. He said, all have forsaken me. He said, everyone has left me. Except, you know, maybe Mark and Timothy. So the kingdom is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Paul said, I'm, I have abundantly been supplied. I know what it is to have everything. I know what it has, is to have nothing. So the kingdom isn't about necessarily having an amazing, you know, with not having any troubles. No, the kingdom is the ability to overcome every trouble. The kingdom is peace in the storm. It's the ability to overcome Jesus said, in the tr world you will have troubles, but, but oh, I have overcome the world. Now, some of us will need to die. Some of us will need to die because the Bible says in Revelation from Jesus himself that, that you, need to, you need to resist to the point of death to be saved. Jesus said, this is love, to, to, to lay down your life for your friends. So what I'm trying to say is you are free when you die. You are, you are free when you die and you are abundantly supplied when you give. Being in the kingdom doesn't mean you have a million dollars in the bank and you never have a flat tire. Being in the kingdom means you belong to another realm and anything you ask will be done for you. 
you will see the dead raised. You will see the blind seeing. But you are not of this world. You are of a spiritual kingdom. And I'd like to say that, you know, most Christians are not in the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus said, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I'll, I will say, I never knew you. Jesus said, narrow is the path that leads to life and few find it. So it's really important that you obey the words of Jesus Christ. If you decide to seek first the kingdom, you will find it. If you ask, the door will be opened. If you knock, the door will be opened. If you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. But listen, that context was about the kingdom. It's not about getting money. Because why would you want money when you can have the kingdom? Because in the kingdom, you have everything you need. So really, it is like being a little child. When If, if you want me to give you a credit card with a $100 million on it, then that's not going to be the kingdom. But if you're willing to be a little child, that's the kingdom. Because let me explain to you. If you are a four-year-old or a 15-year-old or a 30-year-old or a 60-year-old and your father is the king of heaven and earth and he decides to take you to Disneyland or to Canada to go skiing, do you need to worry about your ticket? No. Your father knows what you need before you ask it. So what I'm saying to you, it's better to be a kid in the kingdom and have everything paid for, everything looked after, but God is going to decide where you're going on holiday. It's better to have that than to have $100 million and to be in control of your own life because you're not in control. Even with $100 million and a Mercedes, if I answered every prayer you ever prayed, if I gave you everything you wanted right now, if there was nothing that I would withhold from you, without the kingdom you'll be desolate and unhappy within six months. Because it doesn't satisfy. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll don't satisfy. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Look at all the Hollywood people who are desperately depressed and angry, and they have everything, so it seems. What I'm saying to you is get the kingdom. And what I'm saying to you is Jesus will freely give it to you if you really want it. But you have to exchange your religion. You have to exchange your life. It is no longer what you think. It is no longer what you want. It is obedience. Like that little child, let's say a four-year-old, if his father wants to take him to Bali to a seven-star hotel, then does he doesn't need to carry his passport. He doesn't need to save up for the tickets. He doesn't need to pack his own luggage. He just puts his hand up and his father is there to take his hands. And he will go to Bali and he'll have more fun than you or I or Richard Branson or Elon Musk because he's got no worries in the world. And that is the life of the spirit. The life of the spirit is a life of overthrow. It is a life of overflow. It is a life of abundance where you don't know where you're going. You are like the wind. Nobody knows from where you've come or where you're going. And you're as slippery as a bar of soap because you're unoffendable. 
Father, I just pray impartation of the kingdom realm. Father, right now, even if they don't have faith or belief, right now, envelop them by your grace with the experience of your kingdom, with the experience of your breath, with the experience of your glory, with angels around them, lest they tread against a stone. Father, would you bless them? Would you give them the kingdom? Amen. Amen. And impartation in Jesus' name. Just uh, randomly, spontaneously, the Chuck Missler teaching on Easter is profound. I don't even call it Easter because that's a pagan God. Jesus actually was crucified on a Wednesday, not a, not a Friday. It doesn't really matter because what really matters is the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. And there is no other name through which we can be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. I just want to encourage you, just worship him today. Put on some praise music today. Thank him today. You can read my articles on melbourneundergroundchurch.com. You can listen to my podcast. Some episodes are extreme on purpose. It's unapologetic because you and I both need to be slapped because God disciplines those he loves. He rebukes those he loves. And he loves you. So be at peace. The kingdom is at hand. You never have to wait. Your healing is today. It's right now. It is available. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.